Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Tupac befriended Biggie and like, like Biggie was broke when Tupac was Tupac. And Biggie was, you know, and Pac was like generous and kind and all the things. He was becoming Biggie, but he wasn't, he didn't have all the money. Pac had far more money. And so, you know, you know, on today's episode of Naked, Bevy Smith giving us these juicy stories. I did not know that about Pac and Biggie. I'm sure I've heard of it before, but it just registers differently. Uh, sit back, relax, fast forward through these commercials, because this is going to be a ride of an interview. Coming up next on Naked. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth... Let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the One Million Black Businesses Initiative. The One Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program 
created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale 1 million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field. From free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The 1 million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare Celebrities behind the scenes It's refreshing, authentic The whole story, specific Life-altering events to shape the person that you hear We got a champion and carry champion Hey girl, you did it It's the greatest in sports and entertainment Connected with us. Every champion and carry champions To be a champion A champion and carry champion Hey girl, you did it Got a champion and carry champion And carry champion Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment Connected with us. All right, you all Before we uh, get into our guest, Bevy Smith. You guys know the wonderful, great, talented Bevy Smith. I want to talk about the breaking news, which happened over the weekend, or actually on Thursday. The Queen, Queen Elizabeth II, died. She was 96 years old. And for everybody listening to this podcast, she has only been the Queen. She has been nothing else. It's only her. No one else was in power. And now this is huge in the sense of historical transitioning. Her son, will be the king, assuming her position. Talking about the queen for me, I don't want to get into the particulars of the bad because there are so many people pointing out what the monarchy stands for and how it isn't about equality. Definitely for Black folks or those who are not considered royal. But I will acknowledge that this woman, who was 96 years old when she passed away, did mean a lot to a lot of people. There's a nation that is grieving. So just out of respect, I wanted to acknowledge that we are aware, we still respect the position, and we hope that her family and her friends are doing as best as they can during this this really sad time, as well as that nation. So from one queen to the next, let's talk about Bevy Smith. You see how I did that? The transitioning from one queen to the next, because she is definitely a queen. Here's my story about Bevy Smith. I know her and we have a lot of friends in common, but I didn't really know her. This was my first time talking to her. 
She's a television personality. She uh, is an entrepreneur. She made her name in New York as someone who knew people. She was a connector. She's worked in fashion. She wrote for Vibe. She's wrote for paper. She's worked at Vibe as a fashion director. And she just has a lot of connections. She's a connector. And I think she became really known to me anyway when she would host these dinners, these dinners for extremely famous people, and she'd connect them with different fashion brands. And that to me is an example of her entrepreneurial spirit. But it also talks about the fact that people just like being around her. They trust her. They trust her her instinct, her gut. They believe in what she says. And talking to her today, you will be not only inspired by her story, uh, you'll laugh because she she's very funny. And she has the capability of really drawing you in to make you feel like you were there when it happened. And more importantly, to make you understand her significance. And not in a braggadocious way, but in a way in which when you talk about it, you realize I'm sitting here with a giant. So Bevy Smith blesses the Naked podcast. And uh, one part in particular that you guys better turn up the volume on is when we discuss Tupac and Biggie. I think it'll blow your mind. All right, we got just a bit, but it blow, it'll blow your mind. Sit back, relax, enjoy, Bevy Smith. Welcome to the show. I, I, we have tried to do this a billion times. I apologize. My schedule has been crazy, but I am now here with you. And yes, I like to always tell if I have a personal story. We have so many mutual friends in common, and you have um, really, really created a name for yourself. People love you for who you are because authenticity is of the order for you. Um, mm. In order with a T. Tell me, yes. I, I don't know the origin story. Tell me when Bevy Smith, who, who, from my understanding, grew up in Harlem, knew mm-hmm. that there was more for her. Often people who are destined to be great or have platforms that allow them to speak to people feel that. When did you know? Wow. Well, you know, first off, I'm so happy to be here. Yay. I'm a big fan. You're amazing. Thank you. Um, my origin story is I'm born and raised in Harlem. And that shaped my entire life. Because I'm from Harlem. First of all, Harlem has its own incredible international legacy. The Harlem Renaissance what I believe is the greatest cultural renaissance of the 20th century um, happens on the streets where I live, where I go to school. So every day in my, my classroom was Black history. So th- I didn't have a Black history month. You know, we learned about Benjamin Banneker and Mary McLeod Bethune and people, you know, we went far beyond, you know, Philip, you know, Frederick Douglass and Harriet Tubman. Mm-hmm. So that gives you a really great sense of self, right? having black history all around you, you know, Malcolm X preached on Lenox Avenue and I literally am on Lenox Avenue every day. Um, you know, you can go by the, the house where Zora Neale Hurston lived. Ralph Ellison lived until he died in my boyfriend's building. I mean, this is a man who wrote Invisible Man. So like you already have a sense of self when you grow up in a black enclave. So people like to think of Harlem as like the hood and all of that, which of course it is definitely, you know, a cold word urban. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so much greatness and legacy attached to it. So I was always very tapped into that. Um, so that's a big part of who shapes me and makes me. And then my parents, Gus and Geraldine Smith, my parents are amazing people. They come from Jim Crow South. Um, and they had us much older when they were much older in life. So right now that's nothing for a mom to be 38, but I was born in 1966. So when my mom had me at the age of 38, that was like unheard of. My father was 42 when I was born. And so that shapes me because I live with history every day. So when you're talking about Jim Crow or you're talking about World War II, my father was a World War II veteran. These things shaped me. And then because these are people who had us later in life, they really wanted us. Mm. We were not a mistake. We were very much wanted. And that means every single weekend, my parents made sure to take us 
outside of our community and, 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 and kind of like let us know and expose us to the fact that Harlem is a part of Manhattan. Manhattan is the epicenter of the world. So all of this is yours for the taking. So I grew up very cognizant that I could literally take a train two stops and my world would be, could be whatever I wanted it to be. And to this day, which is so phenomenal to me, I have worked in publishing, fashion, television, you know, all these things. And I've never had to leave the confines of Harlem to do it. Mm-hmm. I've never had to leave where I, you know, most people go, they have to leave their homes to make their dreams come true. Not me. So Lou Brown Bevy grows into Big Bev from Uptown, grows into Beverly Smith fashion exec- executive, grows into Bevy Smith TV and radio host and an author and now actress. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's the origin story. It really, it really begins with Harlem and Smitty and, and Lolly. Those are my parents' nicks- nicknames. I um, want to focus on what you just said. You really had a good sense of self because of how you grew up. Harlem is, and some people may take it for granted if they live there and not really understand it, but it is an epicenter for Black culture. Uh, the history is, is as you walk down the street, as you mentioned Martin Luther King preaching on Lennox. I, I never considered that because I didn't grow up on, in Harlem. But what I also feel in here um, is this wonderful sense of confidence, but it's not just confidence, it's this tenacity, it's this ease, this I am all of me. Even if even if you follow Bevy uh, on social, you know what I mean? You are, are lighthearted, you're funny, you're serious, you're all of these things and, and simply unapologetic. And people love to use that term, but foundation is important. How were you able to, whether you wanted to or not, transition from each career path because oftentimes we get pigeonholed when people think we can only do one thing. They're like, well, well, why are you doing that now? You can't do that. You know, you're supposed to do this. Mm. Oh yeah. The folks will tell you exactly what they think you should be doing at all times. And sometimes the people mean, well, you know what I mean? They see something for you that you perhaps may not see for yourself. That's happened to me my entire life too. People have given me great opportunities that I didn't even know I wanted. So shout out to people who are well-meaning and who will see something in someone and say, have you ever thought of? That's really how the first half half of my career happened. It was people seeing gifts in me and saying, would you like to? And me being the person of Smitty and Lolly, which is an optimistic space to live in and saying, well, no, but Sounds like a good opportunity. I think I'll give it a try. Hey. You know? Um, and that has brought me really amazing blessings and, and great opportunities. But it wasn't until I turned 38 that I really um, decided to chart my own course. Mm-hmm. And that's really what my book, Bevelations, really is at, at the heart of it. It's about that, that trajectory, that change. Um, and until I was 38 years old, I literally had been given opportunities. Um, and I simply said yes to them. You know how like Shonda Rhimes talked about the year of yes and all mm-hmm. that. I had, I had, you know, a good spicy 15 years of yes. People were like, would you like to be, you know, the receptionist for a fashion advertising agency like that handles Bottega Veneta and Black Llama Mink? Yes. Would you like to be a media director at an advertising agency that handles Bill Blass and, and Vida Sassoon and Vanity Fair magazine and go to Paris? Sure. (laughs) Would you like to be the fashion and beauty advertising director for Vibe magazine and go all over the world and evangelize about urban culture? Okay. Would you like to come to Rolling Stone magazine and be the only black person in management and, um, you know, make a really great salary and, you know, you don't even need to give us a resume. Hey, that's interesting. Okay. sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. You know why, as you're saying this, and I'm saying yes for all these, and every, by the way, everybody's career is not like that. That is an incredibly blessed 
career. People seeking you out and you just saying yes and people telling you, I see you doing this or a role create. It sounds like a lot of these roles were created to mm-hmm. to, to meet your skill set because it is yeah. so powerful and undeniable. I was going to ask you about your, your magazine time. How was that for you? Because the, the the I feel as if the magazine, that was heyday. I don't feel that is the case anymore. Oh, right? no, no, no. The magazines don't even exist anymore. And correct. Um, but but in, I was there in the heyday. First, I was there as a media director and advertising agency. So I was on the other side of it. So I was, you know, in charge of buying advertising space and all the best magazines from Vogue to Harper's Bazaar, Vanity Fair and all that kind of stuff. So that was the first part of me working um, and advertising and being a media director. And that's how I really got to see the inner workings of magazines initially. And then when I went to Vibe Magazine, I was the fashion and beauty advertising director. And that my charge was to go forth into the world and break designer fashion in what is essentially a black magazine. It had never been done before. And I'm very proud to say that it's really never been done on the magnitude and the level in which I did it since. When I left Vibe, they never got that kind of advertising again. And you've never really seen, like my September issue when I was working at Vibe would be Prada, Gucci, Armani, Versace, all the brands that you would see in a Vogue or a GQ. As they should be. As they should be. But what people didn't understand when when I left Vibe, when they let me go to Rolling Stone, because I didn't want to leave Vibe, I, w- I wanted to stay because it was my home. I simply wanted a different position. But they let me go. They called my bluff. I came in and I said, I have a great opportunity with Rolling Stone magazine. And if you guys, you know, don't let me do move into this other space, I think I'm going to have to take the, the position. And they said, well... Thank you so much for all that you've done at Vine. And I was like, oh, Carrie, I gag, girl. I was like, well, I, I wouldn't, you know, and then I had to make a decision. Do I double back and be like, just playing? <laughs> or do, you know what I mean? Or do I move forth and, and take this job and take this new opportunity? And, and that's what I did. So, you know, working in publishing and in magazines in the 90s, in the early 2000s, was heady stuff. It was really quite fabulous. And specifically working at Vibe magazine, um, you know, I used to call it, um, I used to say working at Vibe was like that opening scene of the movie Boomerang with Eddie Murphy. You know that opening scene where he's like, well, and like he's Marcus and he's walking into the big advertising agency oh, uh, okay. and he's oh, oh, and, everybody's okay. and everybody's black and fabulous and well-dressed. Uh-huh. That's what like coming in the Vibe magazine in the, wow. early, in the late 90s, early 2000s. We wow. were all young, gifted, and black. We had everyone from people that had Ivy League educations to HBCUs to people that had barely an, a high school education. And we were all working together to uplift the culture. It was a really special time. And my gig was to go over to Milan and Paris primarily. I went to Rome as well in London and Florence, but really my gigs were really solidly in Milan and Paris and to go over to these um, fashion houses and explain to them why our audience was a viable audience for them to speak to. Yeah. Yeah. And it was magical stuff that happened, you know, and um, by the way, any job that sends me to Paris, I'm all in, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Anybody who wants Paris, baby, listen, six times a year staying at the, um, I used to stay at the Creon. And the, and the George Sink and and the coast mm-hmm. and then and then um the coast, and, the, girl, the coast don't 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 have me do this bougie black conversation with you but go ahead <laughs> I, I love the sink I love the coast you ain't got to tell me I thought yes. it was like this but let's call it that whatever <laughs> I'm there <laughs> okay yeah but it was just all these magical moments in time and then of course having entree to work with some of the greatest hip hop artists. Mm-hmm. Well, times like Vibe took Tupac over to Milan with Donatella Versace dressed him. You know what I mean? Like the stuff that we were able to do, the big part out. of Tell me about that. Tell me about that. Yeah. Tupac Shakur. That, was actually, that, that was, I knew Tupac because I used to be a, um, I mentioned Big Bet from Uptown. So that had nothing to do with size or anything. That had to do with stature. Amen. Um, my name was Big Bev from Uptown 
And I was really popping and fabulous in the hip hop hottie scene. Mm -hmm. So I was at all the parties. And what's so interesting is Biggie introduced me to Tupac. Tupac was in New York City working on the film. I want to say Above the Rim, I think it was. And and um, Biggie and him, were, they were dear friends before this horrible East Coast, West Coast nonsense. And um, Biggie introduced me to Tupac. And then me and Tupac became friends, really good friends too. And he was an amazing, amazing person. But so I didn't know him from the vibe era. I knew him from my street era. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the other thing, too. I, I have a Tupac story. I have a Tupac oh, story. Go I ahead, this tell is me. A, this, is, this is really crazy. I grew up in L.A., obviously, Pasadena more specifically, and I used to get my hair done in high school because my mom hated to do my hair. Um, and so I used to go to this hair salon that was also a place where guys got their hair cut. But you know what we look like after we get our hair washed. We look crazy. And I was like, I can't keep going here because there's too many dudes sitting over in the corner while they're trying to blow out my hair. It was pressing curls. Exactly. We didn't do perms. This is just some woman stuff. And weaves and all that kind of stuff. We never did. No, it was no, like not even. And and Tupac, this is probably a couple of years before. No, no, it wasn't. But I was in high school. I don't remember when he passed, but I do He passed away in 97, I want to say. Okay, so yeah, I was in high school. And he he was there. And when I got... This is the funny story. When I came from under getting my hair washed and I was sitting down and she was blow drying it out, he was looking at me and he just started laughing at my hair. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, so that was one, that was one time, right? And I didn't think anything of it. He was with Digital Underground at the time, right? It was like he had that one, he wasn't Tupac, Tupac. After he was Tupac, Tupac, I remember uh, I had just graduated, had a fake ID and I was at it was called, was it Ed DeBevix or Charles Parker? It was like one of these places in LA where people hang out and he was there and he was having a barbecue. And I remember walking up to him being like, I hear you have, my friends charged me because I was a cute little girl. They were like, go over there and ask him where the barbecue is this weekend. I was like, I hear you're going to have a barbecue. And he was like, yeah, give me your phone number. I'll call you and tell you about it. And I, girl, I ain't had no boyfriend. I don't know nothing about no boys. I said, give me my phone number. Like I was all shocked and nervous. He ended up, literally, this is a very, very positive, very innocent story, texting me. He ended up saying, hey, where are you? I'm going to come hang out with you. This was the next day. He hung out with me and my homegirl, talked about for 20, 30 minutes. He left because he didn't have time because he realized how young I was and I wasn't, I wasn't living that life yet. I was afraid of boys. You guys fill in the blanks. And so he was really nice and he left. And I remember thinking, wow, that's, that was crazy. He was a nice man. I don't know why people think he's so evil and why they call him a rapist and say this because he was very respectful and left. And I remember telling this story in more detail, obviously, but I remember telling this story years ago and I was like, I forgot that I had the opportunity just briefly to spend time with this, this creative legend who was so, you could so smart, so kind and so nice. I caught him at a nice nice time. And so gracious. So gracious. He was like, he was like, okay, he, he kept it a buck. He was like, so you're not with it. I'm going to leave. Pleasure to meet you. <laughs> and I'm out. <laughs> you said, I only got one night in town. Baby, I'll you down. I get around. <laughs> and I I'm was sorry. like, I'm not you down. Know? I was afraid. I was a kid. I mean, kid. Catch me now. <laughs> All right. Come back, Tupac. Come, Come back. back to Cuba. Catch we can have a conversation. I'm good and grown. We're talking about getting right. naked. Okay. Okay, so, <laughs> so you knew him back in the day. They used to be I friends. That's actually phenomenal that you're telling me that. I had no idea. Like, I didn't yeah. know they were friends. Oh, they were really close friends. Tupac used to, what befriended Biggie. And like, like Biggie was broke when Tupac was Tupac. And, and Biggie was, you know, and Pac was like generous and kind and, you know, all the things he wasn't, he wasn't, you know, he was becoming Biggie, but he wasn't, he didn't have all the money. Pac had far more money. And oh, so, you know, you, uh, Bevy, your stories. So we're going to get to your book eventually, but your stories are legendary. I bet you I could sit around and drink wine with you all night and you could just tell me some stuff that would blow my mind. 
That is why the book is called Lessons from a Mother, Auntie Bestie, because it's like, we're going to go through all of those passages. You know what I mean? I got a, I got a million of them. Um, but you know, I always say, Carrie, you know, life is for the living. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mentor a lot of young women and, and, um, one of the things I always try and tell them, because, you know, clearly I've, I've done well for myself business wise. You know, I was a successful executive and, and I'm successful in entertainment. And so I have a lot of young people that young women, especially young black women who are incredibly driven. Yeah. And one of the things I always try and tell them is don't be so hyper-focused on work in your career that you forget to live. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're right. That's the message. I same, same. I'm on uh, same. I'm with you. I love it. Like you live, live. you have lived oh, yeah. and I'm still living. So you, you leave and, and I'm not saying leave, but how did you transition from Rolling Stones? How was that? Because how was that experience? A lot of times you didn't want to leave Vibe. I appreciate you saying that because a lot of times people think that the white ice is colder and you went to Rolling Stones reluctantly, even though there was yeah. more money and probably a little more structure involved. How was that transition in leaving Rolling Stones? Well, so it was interesting because before I went to Vibe, I had never worked in a black environment. Hmm. I mean, yeah, I never worked in a black environment. It was only hmm. at Vibe. So I only worked at Vibe for five years. So I only had five years in my career, my advertising career, which started when I was 18 and ended when I was 38. Only five of those years were spent in a black environment. Hmm. So Rolling, uh, Vibe was like a homecoming experience, um, but it was very much a sliver of my career. So when I went back, when I went to Rolling Stone, it was more like of what I was used to. You know, um, really quick, funny story. Because I was Big Bad from Uptown and because I was going to work at a hip-hop magazine, the premier one, besides The Source, um, people were shocked to find out that I had a career. Because when I was a hip-hop hottie, Big Bad from Uptown, you didn't lead with your career, your education, none of that. It was a bunch of me and my, all my girlfriends we were all going to amazing schools. Like I went to NYU. Um, 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 all my friends, like, you know, went to great schools. Well, we all had careers. But in the club, mm-hmm. we didn't talk about any of that. Mm. We were just like bad broads, like coming through like, ow, white. You know what I mean? What so we didn't know what she's saying. Yeah. yeah. You didn't have to yeah. lead with that. Unlike today, everybody leads with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we led with like, we look good, like where the dollars at. Because we also too were very acutely aware of the fact that we had student loans. We had to still look good, so you know we were definitely leading with an eye of like, who's got the kid? <laughs> okay, but that's a whole other story. Carrie, do look, Carrie, listen. Uh, you that's listen. You look, talk talk that talk. It's called naked. We led with I need some who paying a bill. What's yeah. going on? The rent. What's That's going it. on? So <laughs> so we were like not you know kind of letting people know who we were at, uh, at nine to five. Okay. So when I get to vibe, it's the first time in my life where my personal life and my professional life collide. Mm. And I'll never forget. I was in. I was at vibe maybe my first two weeks or something, and I came into the conference room for a meeting um, and Dame Dash was there. And I knew Dame, like Dame is from Harlem. Dame Dash is from Harlem. For you guys who don't know who Dame Dash is, he's one of the founders of Rockefeller, the Jay-Z empire. Mm-hmm. Kim and so Jay-Z were from, really cool at one point. He was married to Rachel they Roy. Were best friends they, were and best. they were, you know, business partners of, of the nth degree. And, you know, a lot of things that Jay-Z has now and a lot of the things that, um, He's even aware of a lot of it was informed by Dame Dash. Dame Dash literally introduced Jay Z to art. Like, mm-hmm. That's a whole number. So mm-hmm. anyway, I go into the conference room. Dame Dash is there. He like, what the fuck you doing here? I said, oh, I'm the um, fashion and beauty advertising director. He's like, how the fuck you get that job? I was like, let <laughs> me bring you by my office later, and I'll explain it to you. But people were like, oh my god. So it was so funny because so many people would be like, oh, my God, I thought you were just a party girl. I was like, yeah, no. Yeah. The entire because time you, I was. That's how it was. You moved so differently. You separated the world. No one really knew. That's insane to me. That's insane yeah. to me. Yeah. No one knew. 
And now I look at all my friends, like one of my friends that I used to hang out with in the streets, she's like the CMO at Global, um, what's a global, what's the, the concert we always, Global Citizen. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, like wow. all, but all my friends are doing incredibly well. We all have like really big gigs and shit, like, but we were outside. Like uh-huh. when I say, and when I say outside, we were I understand. That's it. <laughs> outside way before y'all was using outside. But anyway. I was like, okay, well, you like, I've been outside. Y'all just got I've outside. outside. <laughs> okay. You say y'all really outside. Okay, go on. Yes. <laughs> so we was outside, outside. And um, so when I was at when I was at Rolling Stone, I knew what it was gonna be. Um, but the difference was is that I had changed. I had been in an environment where I didn't have to explain why my hairstyles changed. Mm-hmm. I had been in an environment mm-hmm. where I didn't have to um, explain to people, um, you know, why 4th of July wasn't a big deal for me. Um, I, I was used to not being in an environment where I was the only one. And so when I go back to Rolling Stone, it's back to business as usual. But I was different. And so that place was never going to hold me. So I came in. I did an amazing, amazing job. I hit all my numbers. And when I got my bonus check and I deposited it in the bank and I waited for it to clear and then I resigned. Why? Well, because I knew I didn't want to do that any longer. You know what I mean? And so, um, and I certainly didn't want to do it at a place like Rolling Stone, which was really devoid of any kind of respect for, um, for Black culture, which is in turn pop culture, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, you know, they would rather put a dead beetle on the cover than Beyonce. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, yeah, this doesn't make sense mm-hmm. to me. Um, and I didn't want to be in a space like that. Mm-hmm. Not after having been in the Mecca of like black excellence, like vibe is. Like, I just, I and again, I applaud you because I'm taking it back to the origin story, the Genesis, you knew who you were and you couldn't compromise it. And it didn't feel authentic to who you were. In that no. moment, after you have worked at Vibe, I appreciate that. People will yeah. tell you all the time, go here because it's bigger in the name. And everybody needs a name and a title on your resume. You absolutely do. But when you realize yeah. it doesn't fit the brand of who you are, you have to make moves. It's that time where we have to pay the bills so that I could put gas in the car. So fast forward if you need to. I'm back on the other side of the break. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment connected with. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot. The spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey everybody, welcome back to Naked. Uh, Bevy's still here making us laugh and giving us uh, some stories that I'm sure many of you did not know. I know I didn't. Enjoy Bevy Smith on Naked. What did you do next? Oh, that's when I quit my job to become the thing that I am now. So I literally, when I resigned, I told my boss, he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're on the fast track to become a publisher. Like you have such a great career trajectory. Like don't leave. And I was like, no, I have to. And he's like, well, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to write and I'm going to sing. I'm going to dance. I'm going to act. I'm going to juggle. I'm going to be a fire eater. I'm going to jump out of planes. I'm going to- <laughs> and he looked at me. He said, you're having a midlife crisis. I was 38 years old at the time. I was like, am I having a... I said, first of all, black people don't have midlife crisis. Like, <laughs> you can't afford to have a midlife crisis. We crisis in all the time, damn it. But go right. on. <laughs> so I was like, no. And um, when I quit, that's when I went on my journey of, of, of trying to become a TV personality. And I, I took, well, first I did uh, the sepia version of Eat, Pray, Love. I went to Zambia. No, I went to, yeah, I went to Zambia, South Africa, Brazil. Costa Rica, and I just like kind of immerse myself in just my kind of cultural diaspora like travel and wash that corporate self off of me. And then when I came back, I took all kinds of classes, improv classes, acting classes, photography classes, DJ classes, writing classes, anything that I'd ever been interested in. I was like, okay, I want to try and apply myself. I want to get some kind of information about it. And so I did all of that. And then Vibe called me back and, and um, I said, well, I'm not interested in having a job and I certainly don't want the job that I once had. And they said, what do you want to do? I said, well, I want to write and I want to do whenever you guys have someone who has to go on TV and talk about the brand, I want to be that person. And so they gave me an opportunity and that's how I started building my reel. Mm. And that was how I started writing. And then I started writing for Paper Magazine and Interview Magazine and Glamour and Essence and all these things. And I did a lot of great work in that time. And in the in the in between all of that, Vibe only lasted for like maybe a year. And then there was a regime change. The second time I was at Vibe as the fashion average, I mean, as a fashion editor at large, which by the way, guys, I don't even know if they, these positions still exist, but at large literally means you don't have to come into the office and you still get a check. <laughs> which like, oh, that's what everyone does, but I'm telling you. It's it's it it was just novel and unheard of back then. It's amazing. So um, you know, I just kind of you know did all these things, and then the vibe gig ended, and then I went broke. I was broke from forty to forty five. Oh yeah. no! No no no! It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Okay. okay. Because I was broke, but I had a really amazing time. 
was broke but not broken. I was broke, but the chapter in my book is called Broke But Blissful. So I literally um, took that time to really do all the things I wanted to do. And I was successful in it. I was on BT. I was on E. I was on VH1 doing all these talking head things. Again, building up the reel. And I was writing for all these publications. I'm doing everything I want to do, but the money, it doesn't match up yet. And the rubber hit the road, like maybe about three years into the journey when I, w- I was really bad broke and I couldn't even pay my rent. And I was going to housing court and different things like that. And then I decided to create Dinner with Bevy, which is my business that I created where I connected um, celebrities with high-end luxury fashion brands and fashion magazines. And I did dinners for everyone from Idris Elba to Kerry Washington to Pharrell. And I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So I was able to become an accidental entrepreneur. I would have, I would have never become an entrepreneur if I hadn't been broke. Mm-hmm. So that gave me even more. So I always tell people like everything is as it should be. Everything is as it should be. Like, again, if I had not gone broke, I would have never known how resilient I was. I would have never known that I could actually eat what I kill. Cause it's a, it's a different type of muscle that you have to use when you don't know where your money is coming from. Talk about it. And when you know that you can actually go out and go get some money, get up, get out and get something, that gives you a whole nother sense of confidence, sense of self. So I'm always very grateful. Also, too, when I look back on all the Dinner with Bevy gave me, which Dinner with Bevy is the reason why now when I do my radio show, Bevelations, people want to come and talk to me because they know me from Dinner with Bevy. Like I have a relationship with Kerry Washington because of Dinner with Bevy. You know, uh, uh, Pharrell, Dinner with Bevy. He was my first guest on my radio show, Pharrell. Like all these people because they know me from... I'm the lady who did dinner with Bevy. I'm the lady who does that. And trust me. So if I hadn't done that, would my radio show be a Gracie award-winning radio show? Would I be able to get the kind of guests that I get? I don't know. I think not. I love all of this. I didn't want to cut you off. I love all of this. It's inspiring. You said broke, but but blissful. Um, I think in the moments when we do have to hustle, because all I hear is your hustle hand is hard. You do it differently. And okay, wait, 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 wait. So wait, wait. So now check this one out. Uh-huh. Check this out, Gary. Yeah. I don't believe in hustle. Oh, tell me. Okay. So what I was doing was not hustling. Let me tell you why I wasn't a hustle. Tell me. I was being strategic because everything that I did connected me to where I wanted to end up. So why do you not call it, consider that a hustle? Because hustle is you do whatever it takes to get that money. How many times have you heard people say they're going after the bag? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't go after the bag. You, it wasn't the I'm money for you. Strategic. You were creating the, the brand of what you wanted to do in the life in which you wanted to live. I, I see, I see. Okay. And a hustle means that I would have taken so many other jobs. Which you didn't. Which I didn't. If I was just hustling to make money, I wouldn't have been broke for, for seven years. Yeah. For five years. I would have, I would have, you know, because I had a lot of opportunities coming my way. Can I, can I ask you a question? So established. You're mm-hmm. very specific about the years. So, so what happened at the end of the fifth year? Because you're like, for five years, I was broke for five exact years. For five exact years, you know you were broke. What happened year six? So, so, but it was seven years from when I quit Rolling Stone. So seven years is the, the number of, seven is the, the, the number of completion. But I had money still for two years of the journey. But so I'm five years broke. So at that fifth year, when I first quit Rolling Stone, I get an opportunity from Bravo to be a co-host for the Tim Gunn show. Mm-hmm. You said and Andy Cohen at this point is a TV executive, not a TV personality. And a friend of mine, a white gay friend of mine was on Fire Island, which is a white gay enclave in New York City. And they're talking and he's like, Andy, what are you working on? He's like, oh, I'm work- trying to find someone to co-host the Tim Gunn show. I need a woman who's funny in those fashion. He's like, 
My friend Bevy Smith just quit her job in fashion and wants to do TV. I go on the audition on a Monday. I get the contract on a Wednesday. Wow. The business, yeah, because I slayed that audition. I test very well, by the way. <laughs> I'm a great test taker. <laughs> so it, it, just in life, I've always been a great test taker. Oh, no. So I get the contract. I lost her. And because I'm a, nice. an executress, I see how bad the contract is. Okay. And I literally am like, this is really bad to my lawyer. And my lawyer is like, okay, I'll go back and try and negotiate. Well, Bravo was like, no, it is what it is. And you either take it or we're going to move on. Like my lawyer says, Bevy, you know, they're not willing to budge. You know, we don't have a choice. I said, well, we always have a choice. Go back and tell them we're not going to do it. He goes back and tells them we're not going to do it. They gag. And then Andy Cohen's office calls me and says, Andy would like to meet with you. And it was him and his boss. And I go in and I have one literally probably $10,000 worth of clothes. Like I'm like Masoni and Goyard and all the things, darling. I'm looking like, and this is like literally in 2005. So I'm like, oh, 2006. So I'm like done. Whoa. So I'm coming in looking like fashion. (laughs) Now he says, you're even better in real life than you are on tape. We're going to work together. And for seven years, Andy put me in pilots. He put me on different shows, different things. He was just trying to find a fit. And so now we fast forward to that end of the fifth year. My friend is in town, wants to go and see Watch What Happens Live. I call Andy. I say, she wants to come. He's like, the the, the clubhouse is packed. But if you'll come and bartend for me on the show, I'll give you a ticket, a seat for your friend. I have a holding deal with BET. I'm not mm-hmm. supposed to be doing any other TV for anyone else. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, them PET executives ain't going to be watching or watch what happens live. So I go and do it. When I get done with the show, Andy says, I know what I want to do with you. I have a show uh, with, with Derek J and Miss Lawrence from Real Housewives. And I want to do a fashion commentary show. And that's how Fashion Queens came to be. Mm-hmm. And that's what broke my, that's what, broke my broke period in my life. <laughs> and and I, I was at knock wood. Yeah. God is my witness. <laughs> yeah, we never went back. We never went back to housing court. Oh man. I still have a tax problem, but I never went back to housing court. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, listen, Carrie. Carrie, and I want to say this to our people too. We fear the wrong stuff. Mm-hmm. If rich people, I've never had to do a bankruptcy, but I'm going to tell y'all this. Bankruptcy for rich people and for all people should be looked upon as restructuring debt. Mm-hmm. Second, a tax problem is means that instead of them holding your money and giving you back your money that you already paid into it, it and, and it was an interest-free loan to the IRS, now it means that you owe them some money. Mm-hmm. And as long as you have a conversation with them, namaste, girl. No. <laughs> Yo, I need everybody who owes the government some money. Just send them a message talking about namaste. No, I'm kidding. You, I know, but I'm with you. I am with you on the idea of why do I give you my money so you can hold on to it to give it back to me? I don't believe in that anymore. No. But that's but no. that's that's also an education that we have to start to learn when we get to as we start to make money. People aren't comfortable with that. I I listen. When I start making money my uh, accountant would pay all my stuff up front. And I'm like, hold on, hold on. Why are you paying all of my bills all at once on time, paying all of them in full amounts? I don't understand that. <laughs> I remember I said, it's a cultural thing. I got used to it, but it was a cultural right. thing. And so you're right. No, it's a lesson. But it's, it's a thing of like, you know, if you look at all the most successful people, when you read that, because I'm a big, I love biographies. When you read biographies of really successful people, they don't fret over the same things that we're taught to fret over because they know that as long as you have the ability to make money, which people like you and I have the ability to have multiple revenue streams, sure, it's fine. Yeah, you don't get one check. You listen, I, I, and that's what that's what COVID is teaching 
everybody else, this next generation. You have to have multiple mm-hmm. revenue streams. People will let you, they will let you quiet quit or quietly fire you and you'll look up and you won't ha- you'll be dependent on one entity and it's impossible. That's why I am a big, it's impossible, not in this day and age, not in this day. And, it, and it's also a freedom. It helps you move with the freedom that you cannot experience if you're beholden to one place. You, you know Amen. So yeah, then you get this show. Oh my goodness. This is such a great story. I love it. Okay. So go on. And I love Andy for this for you. Go on. Yeah. So, so I get the show. It does incredibly well. We go on for three seasons. Get camp, It gets canceled. And then Andy gets a deal with Sirius XM. And he calls me and says, have you ever thought about doing radio? And I'm saying, oh, yeah, I mean, whatever. He's like, would well, you want to do radio on, on my network I'm doing on Sirius XM? I'm like, as long as I don't have to do fashion. He's like, you can do whatever you want on it. Like, whatever. It should be like your Twitter feed where you talk about anything and everything. I said, great. So September 14th will be my seventh anniversary of being on Radio Andy. And I'm very proud that we won a Gracie Award in 2020. And it's just like one of the, and we've had amazing, incredible interviews. Like I, my Usher interview just got picked up. My John Boyega interview just got picked up. I, I mean, that. it's just been incredibly, um, it's been a life-changing moment for me to have that kind of a show um, and to be able to have great conversations and, and to be able to talk about everything from fashion to pop culture to politics to health disparities, the income inequality. I do all these things on one show and sometimes on one actual episode. I go I go everywhere that and I want to go. And, 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 and you're allowed to because you are all those things because you have that breath, you have that range, and, and you should not be limited. I am a big believer in yeah. that. You can't tell me I yeah. can only do one thing. Um, yeah, congratulations on seven years. Congratulations on um, being your true self and being so damn comfortable in your skin. Something probably you take for granted, but it is a, um, uh, it's a journey for most. So it kind of is just a beautiful thing. Thank you, but it's my mom. So I, I just did a TED talk and I guess it was April. And I talk a lot about my mother in the TED talk. And my mother just self, self, suffered two strokes on August 6th. And she's 94 years old. And she is still here and she is still wonderfully herself, even without, even with very limited speech mm-hmm. and, and virtually no mobility on one side of her body. But she is present. And my mother is still beautiful and vibrant. And the people in the rehab are like, we love to come see your mother. She has the best smile. She always has the best outlook. She's always optimistic. She's always cheerful. That's my mother. And I grew up in a household with a mother and a father who told me how beautiful I was, Mm. who told me how smart I was, who really just encouraged and stroked. Like we were like loved and cared for children. And I think that that's the reason why I can go out into the world and be the way I am. Be very gracious and giving because I don't come from a, a, a place of stress and strife. Yeah. I'm not one, I, all my life, I didn't have to fight. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I was loved and people gave me stuff, but I don't take that for granted. Mm-hmm. I know it's a blessing. So then that means I have to be a blessing to others. Amen. I receive all of that. You, uh, you are love and you came from love. Shout out to your parents. Thank God they did that. This is another example of what happens when you raise good babies. You see what happened? They turn into strong people who love themselves. Um, yeah, where, others. where can we get your book? Oh, everywhere, girl. I just was <laughs> in the Nobles, girl. They got into Barnes and Nobles. They got to Amazon, all the local bookstores. I also want to make sure that people watch my TED Talk. My TED Talk went to 2 million in wow. like four months. 2 million. Wow. 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 That's huge. And Carrie, can I, yeah. And Carrie, can I just tell you, I know we don't have much time. I'm going to tell you this real quick. Okay. I got my TED Talk through doing the things that I love to do. I have a whole symposium called Life with Vision. And I did a Life with Vision in 2021. And the woman who came to it in 2015 came back. And when I was done, she said, you know, Bevy, this is a TED Talk. And I said, oh, yeah, great. She's like, I work at TED. I said, oh, okay. She (laughs) said, I think you should do a TED Talk. Do you mind if I put your name in the hat? I said, okay. She put my name in the hat. They asked me what I would want to talk about. I sent them over all my, my credentials and things. And they asked me to do a TED Talk, main stage. 
Most people never get the main stage first time. Yeah, no, Most they TEDx. <laughs> Nothing's wrong with TEDx. I did a TEDx, so nothing's wrong with yeah. it. But you're right. But the doll went straight to the main event. The other thing, mm-hmm. when my coach worked with me, my coach said, when you have to go in front of the board of the TED people that let them hear your final speech, she said, they, they usually have a lot of comments. Don't worry about it. We'll work, whatever they say. When I was done, the man who runs TED said, that's a perfect TED talk. I have no notes. <gasps> wow. 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 No I- notes. Chills just right here on my arm, just right now. You can't see them. Wow. Wow. And then last and final thing about the TED Talk. Bill Gates was on my, it was in my pod. So I like to say Bill Gates opened up for me. Well, he, well, he sure enough did. He sure enough did because it's yeah. only apropos. You told him to get out there and make sure he did it right. Warm, and, warm him up for me and I'm going to come on. Right. Warm him up for me. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Um, but, Bevelations. Bevelations. Give me give me the rest of the title. Bevelations. Bevelations. Lessons from a mother auntie bestie. You see it back there. Mother auntie bestie. Now, <laughs> I'm tell them real quick what mother is. Mother is what my gay kids call me. Auntie is what anyone under 35 can call me. If you older than that, don't call me auntie. Hello. I'm going to move you into the little sister or into the bestie category. Mm-hmm. And bestie is for all the women who watch me on TV and say, oh my God, I want to have drinks with you. I want to go on vacation with you. I want to hang. That's you in the bestie category. So that's what it is. So my my book is really about, you know, me going through this metamorphosis of of all these different personas that I, I hung, hung on to for so many years mm-hmm. and then releasing them. And now and, being the person. And more importantly, your personality, how funny you are. It's so infectious. Like it, just following you on social, looking at what you, it's disinfectious. So if y'all in a mood to be in a good mood, go go and look at some of her posts. If y'all in a mood to be in a good mood, Bevy will do that for you. I appreciate you, Bevy Smith. You are everything. You are my, you are my bestie. <laughs> and I would love to have friends with you. So, you know. Oh, I, listen. That is going to happen. I'm about to jump in your DMs, which I think I have before, but I'm in New York a lot. So that would be nice. And we, we know so many people. It would be, it would be yes. a catch up. It'd be a full catch up. I have to do you. that. I appreciate you. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for being unrelenting, determined, tenacity, um, beauty, exemplified, unapologetic, all of the things that I embody in love. Thank you, my Carrie. And thank you for being exactly all those things to me, because I have to tell you, I love what you do. With Naked, I, I just love it. And it's very inspiring. And if I ever go back into the podcast business, I'm going to definitely be taking all the I, notes. I, I, think, I, hear, I hear a podcast is coming your way. I feel that. That just only makes sense. A big one. I have one. I had a podcast with CBS before podcasts were popular. And oh, you don't have one that- now, though. You don't have one currently, oh, right? Yeah. Okay. I want to no. make sure. I was like, I didn't see that in my research. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. So you know that lovely young lady researched the heck out of it. Uh, yeah, I was like, Peyton, you got me out here. I'm mad. No, I'm kidding. All right, I'll put that here. Peyton is perfect. Bevy's about to have, yes. we're going to put this in the universe. I believe we'll put this in the universe, a podcast where you make seven figures and you're going to bring me along. There you go. Love it. Like Let's, it. Do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. The most important takeaway for me was Bevy Smith sharing her origin story. Uh, she grew up in Harlem, proud black woman. She knew who she was at a very young age. She knew her history at a very young age. Um, and she felt the love in which her family gave her, family and friends. She surrounded herself around people who cared for her, who loved her. It really does change your perspective and your outlook and how you move in life when you know who you are and you have a joy that nobody can take away. And that's what I felt when I was talking to her. Her book, please go check it out. Published in 2021. It's a memoir, Bevelations, Lessons from a Mother, Auntie, Bestie. Now remember, if you are 35 or younger, you cannot call her auntie because it is disrespectful. I mean, I feel that way. When people call me auntie, I'm like, I'm too fine to be somebody's auntie. I could take your boyfriend. Don't call me auntie. Damn it. And I don't want your man. I sent him home. You're welcome. I also sent Tupac home. I, I, if I had to choice, if I had to do it over again, I, I'd rethink that choice, guys. I'd be like, well, ho, 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 ho. I only got one night in town. Baby, dollar you down. <laughs> I'm a fool. Meanwhile, 
Go buy Bevy's memoir. Check out her book. You can get it anywhere. Bevelations, Lessons from a Mother, Auntie, and Bestie. Also, continue to support the podcast. At me. Tell me what you think. Tell me if you enjoyed this interview. I thought she was amazing. I will see you all next Monday. Have a good one. State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help with funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.